Welcome to the show. I'm your coach, Elizabeth Pearson. And today's guest is Eve Rodsky. And this has been a long time coming. I've been trying to get this woman on the show for over a year. She is incredible. She's a best-selling author of the books, Fair Play, and her second one, Unicorn Space. She's somebody that I'm happy to call a friend. She is a fierce advocate for women and the equal distribution of domestic labor, this quote-unquote invisible work that so many women do, as well as the mental load that we carry. And her book, Fair Play, if you guys haven't read it yet, start there. I think it's wonderful to not only read it, it came out four years ago, but it's also got a documentary. So even if you don't have time to read, you can watch the documentary. I highly recommend watching it with, if you're in a hetero relationship with your male partner, and then buying the cards to help divvy up some of the domestic labor at home, and then grab a copy of Unicorn Space, because this is something that I have been coaching on for years. We really do need a creative outlet. It is how our spirit guides us. It's how it talks to us. It is absolute lifeblood for energy. So I hope you enjoy this chat. I have so much fun with her. Hopefully it's the first of many interviews, but you guys, this is good food for your brain. You should follow her on all of her social channels, which are linked below, and absolutely run and get her books. Eve Rotsky, it's great to have you on the show. This has been a long time in the making. You are all over the place. I feel like you're in super high demand lately. And I know why, because every time you open your mouth, I feel like you say something incredibly validating and insightful, not only for moms, but for women in general. So thank you for sharing some insights with our listeners today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's so good to be here, Elizabeth. Yeah. And depending on when you guys are listening this to this, Eve is the author of the best-selling book, Fair Play. And it's been a total game changer in my marriage. I felt like I listened to the book because I really like your voice. And I felt like it was this wonderful mix of emotion. And it was great to hear you actually narrate it. But I really felt myself in a lot of your words. And if you guys haven't read Fair Play yet, or if you don't have the deck of cards, immediately mm -hmm. go out and get it. The, the documentary is a wonderful in. It's required for all of my clients, especially who are in hetero or really, um, yeah, hetero marriages, relationships, but it totally changed the dynamic. So I'm in a debt of gratitude to you for that. It is the four-year anniversary of Fair Play. So treat yourself and go grab it. But today I really wanted to talk about your other book, another bestseller, Find Your Unicorn Space, Reclaim Your Creative Life in a Too Busy World. This is huge. I feel like this is the other huge piece that women need. They can free up time, but then what are we doing with that time, right? So I would love for you to just give a little bit of insight to the listeners on how you came to like be able to identify what it is that we need in that space and how we can actually leverage that new time that we're going to get from fair play and turn it into something that feels really intentional. Well, thank you. I think that it's not a straightforward link typically, uh, Elizabeth, from, from a gender division of labor book where we're talking really to people in relationships who want to step into their full power outside the home to this idea of finding your creative power. But in fact, they're highly connected because what happens to women over time, as I think Gloria Steinem says, feminism uh, takes a lifetime because it's a death by a thousand cuts. The expectations on women, especially after they have children, are that we really will be happy and fulfilled just staying within three boxes. We're allowed to be parents of children. We're allowed to be partners of men. I mean, that's that's the heteronormative that we see everywhere um, that especially the right right now is trying to protect. And then we can be professionals. We're allowed to make money because we have to, to help our household. But that's it. 
If you want to be an acrobat, if you want to go back to being a baker, if you want to pursue anything for yourself, if you want to be a mountain climber, society will shame you back into one of those three boxes. And so the second book really is that extension, as you said. Fair Play is the uh, system to get you more time in your life so that you're not, as one woman said, the magical vagina that whispers in her ear and tells her what her husband's mother wants for Christmas. That is the point of fair play, that you don't have a magical vagina and we trade those assumptions for structured decision-making tools. But the idea of unicorn space is really what do you do with that found time? Yeah. And I love that. And I you I noted, I want to read just a little piece of it. This is from Set a Goal. Is your goal the right goal? My friend Megan left her career in business to raise two children and create a rich family and home life. When I interviewed her several years ago, she bravely admitted, it's physics. Bodies in motion stay in motion. And I no longer feel in motion. I feel like an object at rest. My goals were climbing the corporate ladder and raising my family. I've met all of those goals. What's next? How do I get back in motion when I don't know what I'm moving toward? And I think that is a huge stumbling block for a lot of women, because when you've been in the spin cycle of bearing children, climbing the ladder, when you do get that break, you don't really know how to get that momentum in the new thing that will like be fulfilling or bring you joy. So can you give us just a little bit of top line tips from the book as far as like how to kind of like feel like you're starting to get some momentum or some wind at your back? Absolutely. And I think the most important thing to understand is that there are three hurdles from our surveys that keep popping up for women. And so these, we, we, we're going to get to how to, what is yours and how do you find it? And we'll actually play a really fun exercise because every book that I create and in my third now has a deck of cards that goes with it. Uh, gamifying is how I recommend having difficult conversations with others and with yourself. And so the fair play deck of cards, as you said, is really that system to balance the division of labor in your home. But we have a prototype that we haven't put out yet in the world that are these creativity cards. So I want to play with you. So that would be a fun preview um, for your listeners. I want to start with the three things that women told me were hurdles to stepping outside those three boxes of parent, partner, and or professional. One hurdle was... I don't believe I have a permission to be unavailable for my roles. So that was an interesting terminology. I kept hearing over and over again, this idea of availability. And I kept trying to understand what does that mean? So we did an experiment where we had women who have children close their eyes and picture their school calling and telling them not to pick up the phone. And it was interesting because many of these women in this exercise said that they were getting a stress response just even in the picturing of that scenario, their heart was starting to pound, their breath was starting to get more shallow. So it was interesting that even the picturing of that scenario of unavailability to your kids was really stressful. Uh, Number two was guilt and shame, even if you believe you're available. So this idea that guilt and shame, again, back in our surveys and studies, showed that showed itself as the only two emotions, Elizabeth, that actually made people change their short-term behavior. So I thought it was really interesting. We would ask women, and this is men too, but really it was for women asking this question. And the question we asked was, if you're angry, what what do you do when you're angry? Well, I sometimes I yell. Well, what if you do if you're happy? Well, it depends on, you know, what I'm doing. I sit in that happiness. What if you do if you're sad? Well, either I hold it in or I cry. But when that came to guilt and shame, there was often an answer that alluded to a change in, in short-term behavior, meaning a woman told me she 
decided to reclaim piano as her unicorn space, her magical, mythical unicorn that doesn't exist unless we reclaim it, space for her piano. She got sheet music. She went as far as booking in her rent-stabilized apartment, the music room, because she lives in a place where Juilliard students also live. She goes to start practicing. Her child's in daycare. The sun starts to set, and she puts down her sheet music in the room. She sees the sun setting because it's an early winter day where the sun sets at like two o'clock. And she gets up and goes to pick up her child from daycare because they know they don't like being in daycare when it's dark out. And so those types of, I feel guilt because I'm not used to interrupting it. But again, now you have Elizabeth, you have a coach who will help you do that. But I feel the guilt, so I'm going to immediately act on it. That was number two. And finally, number three was even if I can vanquish the guilt and shame, even if I can believe I deserve unavailability, I don't know how to ask for what I need. And my needs bring up discomfort for others. And that's hard for me. Oh my gosh. So that's the tips. The tip is first understanding what is your, you know, what is somebody's, yeah. what is your listener's issues around that? Mine, mine are all three. <laughs> I'm just saying. The They're all, I mean, when you yes. even said school calling, I, and talking through that, I feel like I, you know, cause right now I'm unavailable, right? When we do stuff like this, we're unavailable. I can tell you though, that I probably had you on my shoulder when I did this, but I reached out to the school nurse. And I said, you know what? The first number you're going to call is my husband's because I'm sometimes I'm on the news. Sometimes I'm with a client that, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And there were I was doing a webinar for it was over 400 people for International Women's Day or whatever. And the school nurse called and I have a daughter with extreme food allergies. And so you have to take it. And turns out it was just like a nothing. And I'm having all of these people on hold. I mean, it was kind of like apropos, though, for International Women's Day. So they can see the, yep, yep. What I have to deal with. But guess what? She calls him now. And then you know what? I took it a step further. And I said, Stephanie, Nurse Stephanie, woman to woman here. Every time either one of us sees that number, we have a mild heart attack. Can you just send an email if it's mm-hmm. a non-emergency? Because she was calling about, you know, like forms and stuff, right? And she, you know what she said? Sure, I can do that. And I I gave her my email. She, I have hers. And Eve, it's like a new world. Now, I will tell you, Vivi had an episode a couple of weeks ago and she called and I went there and Vivi was reacting. Somebody had given her a freaking cashew cracker, which now are oh, everywhere. Gosh. So and my husband was out of town. So that sucked. But the nurse calls really are hopefully done, like as far as interrupting. And I think that just these things of like, why don't we start questioning? Can it change? Right. Or even talking to your kid. You've said in the past it feels scary at daycare when it's dark, but what could I drop you off with that day and tell you, mommy's going to be here, but it's going to be after dark. Do you need a special lovey? Do you need an extra snack because you get hungry? What do you need so that you can be prepared to stay there so that I can do this? But I think even that will trigger guilt and shame, right? Like even thinking about how do I create safeguards for myself? A hundred percent. And I think, but imagine the power, Elizabeth, when when someone says to you, I'm unavailable to you, oh, because I feel so bad and I don't, you know, I'm I'm, I'm going to miss you versus I'm unavailable to you because I practice piano, just like you practice soccer. How and how good do you feel when you get a goal? Well, that's going to be how good it feels for mommy to complete a song. And you know what song I'm actually practicing? I'm practicing Beauty and the Beast and you'll be able to sing it with me. And I can't wait for you to see how I don't know it now, but I'm going to complete something and you're going to watch me uh, do that. And so I think 
again, the power in coming to somebody with something that's important to you. And that's why you're missing their pickup versus this, oh, I don't know. I'm I'm not going to be there, but I feel so bad. Then that person feels ambivalent. Like, well, if you don't want to be doing that other thing, then why aren't you just picking me up? Right. So yeah. again, I think the power in vanquishing guilt and shame also is in how we present our choices to other people. And when our boundaries come off as less ambivalent, then actually other people understand their their importance. And we're giving permission to our little girls or our children to have that time for themselves too. That's something that I work with with clients all the time. And it took me a while to get it too. But I consciously tell them, mommy's going to meditate. I will interrupt their screen time so they know I'm going up there. I am unavailable to you. Sometimes dad isn't even home, but who cares? They've got screens. <laughs> but they know because I want them to see me taking time. And I was going to ask you about unicorn space being like physical exercise too, right? Like, does that kind of count? I know the answer, but I would love to hear you explain it. But like for me, I'll wake up extra early and I'll go on my walk while it's still dark out. And Vivi, my eight-year-old youngest, we've talked about it. Mommy's not going to be here when you wake up. Sissy will be sleeping upstairs. What do you want for breakfast? She'll make her own breakfast. She makes yes, her own lunch. Love it. And the first couple of times I came home, she like didn't turn on the lights for some reason. And Eve, to walk into my house and see my daughter eating a cold waffle in the dark at our table in some, you know, totally ridiculous outfit, I cried. I thought, I have failed this child. Like, she has no mother. And I realized that was my shit. I was a latchkey kid. My, yeah. like yours, right? Like, our moms worked all the time. I mean, your situation is, wow. Um, mine wasn't like that. But I was alone all the time. Borderline neglect, right? And so... That was a trigger for me. But when I asked her, how are you? She was happy as a clam. Yes. She was like, look at what I did. So I think too, part of the shame is like, I don't know necessarily that it's our children or our husbands or society putting it on us. It's like us putting it on us. Oh, 100%. But, you know, I think I will say it's all to me, it's all societal, but it comes mm -hmm. off obviously individually. And so we have to breathe that polluted air, right? I mean, the societal is is so... It's so uh, ingrained gender roles, right? The fact that we have to be interrupted for our children, that we should put ourselves last. This idea that the, the word that, that's, that selfless is even sort of a noun and an adjective that we, you know, we think is a compliment for women, right? So I think it's, it's always under there. But as I like to say, you know, even if the air is polluted, we still have to breathe, right, Elizabeth? I mean, we can't just say, well, I'm going to stop breathing because systemically, again, I'm assumed to have that magical vagina that whispers in my ear what my partner's mother wants for Christmas. It, it requires us to set those boundaries. I want to just say one thing about why it's so hard, though. Because, and this is where fair play and uniform space intersect. What was such a hard learning for me that's really taken me 10 years to unlearn is this idea that society views men's time as if it's finite, Elizabeth, like, like diamonds. And it views and treats women's time as if it's really infinite, like sand. And when you have that type of discrepancy, what it leads to is internalized guilt and shame for for our own time choice. So I'll tell you what I mean by that. If you don't believe me, right, we just, again, you just have to call 50 schools like I did for Fair Play and ask them why they call mothers first. The answer is kids want me to call mothers first. Uh, dads don't pick up. We don't want to bother fathers, right? So this idea that a, a man's time is 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 guarded, right? It is a diamond. If, if you look at health systems, they still have propaganda out there that says breastfeeding is free. 
and it's an 1800 hour a year job, right? It's 1800 hours a year, yeah. but breastfeeding is only free, right? If women's time is, is infinite, if it's worthless, if it's sand. We also see uh, in, in the workplace that if women enter a male profession, salaries automatically come down. We call that occupational segregation. So all over, we're seeing that women's time is, is less valuable than men's time. And then we internalize it by saying to ourselves, I can't practice piano because my husband makes more money than me. And so I need to be the one to pick up so I don't have that extra time. Or in the time it takes me to tell him, her, they what to do, I should do it myself. Or I'm a better multitasker. I'm wired differently for care to remember the cupcakes for the party. Or I'm a colorectal surgeon and so is my husband, but I can find the time. And my partner is better at focusing on one task at a time. So look, we're not Albert Einstein. We can't fuck with the space-time continuum. There's just a different way that women are expected to use our time. And so I think that's why the guilt and shame is so uh, visceral and, and painful is because we have to really unlearn these messages, these toxic time messages that have um, really allowed society to choose our how women spend their time for us as opposed to us setting how we use our own time. And so I'll say, look, if you've ever said to yourself, I don't do this because my partner makes more money than me or I can, I should do it myself or in the time it takes me to do something, someone, I could do it faster, better. I'm a better multitasker. You know, I'm not, no one's blaming you. These are things I said to myself, but we have to stop internalizing these messages while we also aim to fix the external, which is what I'm also trying to do, of course, in the societal level. But we can all take a playbook page from Unicorn Space and start to set our own boundaries. And I ask you all, your homework is to take off any jewelry that has your kids' initials on it uh, for a while, put it aside, take your mom necklace off, put that aside and go to anywhere on the internet you can find, go to Claire's, go buy an initial necklace, go put your own initial around your neck. Oh my God, I love that. I have never been... And that's a metaphor, right? Like it's a larger like labeling. Somebody tried to give me those kids necklaces when I had my babies. And I thought, no, I'm not them. Yes. I'm me. Right. They are right. them. If you want to give it to them, give it to them. But I'm me. And at one point it got so overwhelming. They gave me like they were like little pennies with their initials on them. And I said, I will only wear this if mine is on here, too. Yeah, and I had right. mine in the front. And I think that is somehow been tainted to be a bad thing or a negative thing. But the thing is, ladies, we are training our daughters. So like if you can't even do it for yourself, this is why I say like you can use mom guilt to your advantage. They are fucking watching you. So mm -hmm. every time you <laughs> sacrifice yourself to be of service to them, you are then enslaving them in that same narrative when they get older. So you're doing it for them. Just if you can't get to the place where you can do it for yourself, then and it needs to always be for them through this lens, then do that. Then 100 percent. What to do? One woman said to me, "You know what, Eva? I was okay doing it all. I really am, but I'm not okay having my three daughters watch me do it all." And I thought that was a really beautiful sentiment because there is a cost, and then the other cost again are if the beauty of eudaimonia, this idea of this 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 unicorn space, this idea of having active pursuit. And this was your question about exercise. A unicorn space is something that is not self-care and it's not friendships, even though friendships could be part of it and so can self-care. Because self-care has really become, I think, a metaphor for commodified wellness 
you know, this idea of like, I dye my hair and that's self-care or I go get a manicure, that's self-care. So I like to say, would you do it on a desert island? Like, yeah, maybe I would get a, a manicure where I cut my nails on a desert island. But if I'm by myself, no, I don't need like gel X. I don't need um, perfectly dyed, you know, blonde hair. But the the interesting thing about unicorn space and the research around creativity was that there is an extra thing besides friendships and self-care that we need. And really, uh, it comes down to how we view mental health, Elizabeth. So just stay with me for a minute. The idea of unicorn space is that we've been on uh, a journey towards happiness for about a decade. There's been more books and podcasts about happiness than I've ever seen. And it's really a fallacy, this idea that we should be chasing happiness. It, it does lead to more sadness if you focus on happiness. Happiness is a clue. It's an outcome. It's a, it, it can be a clue or an outcome. And really what we're looking for instead if we really want our kids to be mentally healthy in ourselves, is you don't really want to say to them or yourself, I want, I need to be happy or even happy birthday. We don't even say anymore. Or I want you to, I just want you to be happy. I don't care what else happens in your life. What you really want to say, what I've substituted given this research for my second book, is we want a true definition and picture of mental health. And that's a version of having the appropriate emotion at the appropriate time and having the ability and strength to weather that emotion. That is, and I'll say it again, mental health is not how to be happy. It is a version of having the appropriate emotion at the appropriate time and having the ability and strength to weather that emotion. The ability and strength to weather that emotion is where unicorn space comes in. If you have finished a chapter of writing your book and you are bursting with dopamine and your child comes in and elbows you in the face, which is actually what happened to me, and I got a huge black eye from Anna, I will tell you the appropriate emotion of rage and wanting to like throw your kid is more easily weathered when you have a unicorn space, when you've been practicing this interest that lays outside your roles. So that's really, it's not rocket science, but it is hard because it's hard to, a lot of people say, well, are you asking me to do another thing in my busy schedule. And yes, I am. I am asking you to understand that this creative practice that you're going to put in place is another thing, but it's the only thing. It's one of the most important things for your health, your health and physical, your physical and mental health outcomes, because it's not, and, and this is why, because self-care is often a lonely pursuit. It's often people who are saying they went to go get a facial or they went to their acupuncture appointment or they took a walk around the block or they were doing that listening to a podcast, which is not a bad thing, of course, but or they uh, went to the doctor to get their mammogram. We're looking for connection, Elizabeth. Yeah. We're looking for curiosity, connection, and some form of completion. So a unicorn space, for example, would be this podcast. Again, it gets a little conflated if it's, you know, related to your career, but what Elizabeth is doing here is she gets curious about a topic, whether it's my book or someone else's book or someone's words. She reaches out to that person. I wonder what they would say or what we would talk about. Then you, and I'm putting the words in your mouth, but this is why it's a unicorn space. Then you share yourself with the world by active, you know, by connecting with that other person, interviewing them. And then you have to do the hardest part, which is actually edit the work and put it out into the world. And regardless of whether it's number one on Apple Podcasts or no one can ever find it, it is a worthy pursuit if you've done that cycle of curiosity, connection, and completion. And so that is why a, a, a soul cycle class 
can be self-care, but it doesn't have curiosity, connection where you're sharing yourself with others. If you thought that spin class, it would. Yeah. And having some sort of completion. I love the way you explain that. Um, I agree. I don't think a walk around the block is your unicorn space. And and clients say the same thing to me because you, I say, what's your creative outlet? And that is just part of the curriculum. Like we have to understand what that is. And they say, no, but I really love to take a Peloton class. And I'm like, fuck your Peloton class. <laughs> yes, Very yes. Respectfully do that some other time, but there are parameters. Like it cannot be of service to anybody else. It cannot be to try to manipulate the way you look for somebody else. Like to your desert island point, it can't be that. One of the most like eye-opening experiences I had was I was at Miraval. This was like 10 years ago before it got super popular. And an intuitive there was trying to help me figure out what the next thing was. And she said, I want you to go home and paint. And I was like, what? No, tell me like what to do next. I was miserable in corporate America. And she said, you're going to be terrible at it. Go home and paint. You're going to be awful at it. And it's going to be wonderful. And then I, you have to keep the picture for at least a year. <laughs> Don't throw it away. If I tell you right now that he, I bought the biggest frame they had, I made the <laughs> biggest, ugliest picture of the sunset. And it's over my bed right now with all pride. You know, this pristine, gorgeous, all neutral bedroom with this hideous <laughs> primary color crap. But it's there because it was a moment of me sitting out by my pool, looking at the ocean and painting it and feeling like this wasn't for anybody else. The picture didn't have to be good. There was never an intention of making it, quote unquote, acceptable art. It was a moment for me. And now I look at that picture, Eve, every morning I have to. And it's a reminder to have that for myself. Like, where am I going to find that for myself? Maybe not every single day, but at least at some point this week, I will do something that is not of service to others. It I is for my love spirit. It. It's so right? good. It's so it's good. It's for my seven-year-old that just, I mean, we have daughters, right? These younger kids and they run up to you and they want to do something fun. And then we're like, oh, okay, but do we have time? Should I make the Costco run instead? Or should, oh, just come with me to the store. It'll be just as special. It won't be as special. Like sit down and color yeah. with them or yeah. do it when you're not there. Get a freaking adult coloring book, whatever. I feel like like commercializing this is starting to happen. So there are things like the painting nights or whatever, to your point, like connect with somebody else. But when you're in a vacuum or you're totally siloed with whatever it is you're doing, it can be a slippery slope between like, is this really for my inner child and my soul and my spirit? Or is this just another thing on my to-do list? Well, I think that's such a good differentiation. And in fact, it reminds me of this one woman who during the pandemic, she was reporting to me, and this was actually the idea of unicorn space was actually introduced in my first book. It was just a chapter, but so the second book hadn't even come out yet, but she um, she was reporting to me that she jumped into the Atlantic Ocean. She was just DM me on Facebook and I was like, oh, this is interesting. So I replied and I said, oh, tell me more. And she said, well, yeah, that's my unicorn space now. And what I realized that was so beautiful about it was that she was looking for that second C. So if you're out there saying, I don't know where to start, here's my advice. Start with where you feel you're lacking most. So for example, if you're somebody who says, I don't know what I'm curious about, except for the fact that my infant's poop is yellow, as one woman said to me, then start with curiosity. If you're somebody who, like this woman who jumped into the Atlantic Ocean, was feeling really lonely, especially during the pandemic, with just her family isolating, she started with connection. And then if you're somebody who, as my friend Amanda says, is a graveyard of unfulfilled dreams, 
because she uh, has like, she said like 20 or so GoDaddy accounts that keep trying to renew. And she realizes every time they renew, that's another graveyard of an unfulfilled dream. But she says it in a funny way because actually that's what she needs. She needs completion. She needs to take one of these dreams and just go with it to a completion point, whether it's to, you know, put it, hang it on your, behind your bed as Elizabeth did, or a completion point like this woman from Far Rockaway who said that her completion point was to jump into the Atlantic Ocean with a polar bear group. So what was cool about that was she wondered, she was curious, I wonder what it would feel like to jump into the Atlantic Ocean in the winter. Number two was she connected on Facebook with some sort of polar bear group that jumped into the Atlantic Ocean. And then she completed it. She actually did it. She showed up on a Saturday, uh, was not with her family, and she did this thing that she didn't ever think she would, she would do. And so it can be really as, as simple as that. Or you can be Adrian Smith, a woman that I followed in my book who I didn't get to write about her in the book because she didn't do this till after we went to publication, but I was following her. She was training. She was, a, she's a yoga instructor in Santa Barbara and she trained and trained and trained. She, her curiosity was to get back into the water. She loves the ocean. And she decided not to surf, but instead to just start rowing with a group of other women. And at Ultimately, two years later, they broke the world record from rowing from the West Coast of America to to Hawaii. So oh that is that's incredible. So again, you don't necessarily have to be a hunter, but we have some really yeah. inspiring stories in the book. And so maybe what we could do, you know, to sort of wrap us up is to play where, you know, we'll give one more homework assignment. So we've given you some actionable steps along the way. Step one was... Pick one of those three permissions that you need to give yourself, whether it's to be unavailable, to burn guilt and shame, or to use your voice to ask for what you need. We talked a little bit about starting and really doing exercise from where you may be lacking, whether it's curiosity, connection, or completion. And then this is another, it's a third exercise you can do as an intro to this idea of unicorn space. So Elizabeth, I will practice with you. Don't pick painting because... Only right. because um, you just t- did a beautiful story about it. I want to do some more uh, exploration with you. Um, so this is how we're going to play. So for those of you who don't have the cards who are just listening, you're going to listen to all 50 and not make a choice until you hear all 50 cards. And then all you're going to do for me is pick one, one that's interesting to you. Um, but I'll give you an example. One woman picked memories and archiving as one of the cards. Yeah. And then I found out that she was doing that because she had all these old pictures and she felt guilty about not framing them. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something that jumps out to you, Elizabeth, as you will have no problem doing this, but I wanted to explain that to your listeners. Okay. Something that's just exciting to you for you right now. Here we go. Cooking, building and DIY, arrows and axes, that's like throwing target practice archery, florals, arranging, growing, maintaining, music, pottery, metallurgy, silversmithing, metalwork, jewelry making, woodworking, photography, gardening slash farming, restoration and renovation, cars, homes, antiques, beauty, that would not be going to get your hair dyed, but like styling someone else, posting some TikTok videos. I think you already said it. Okay, what what is it? What is it? I really do. I mean, I don't want to be like kind of cliche here, but music. I've never okay. played a musical instrument. And when you said that woman's piano, I went out and bought. Okay, let's piano hear it. No, listen. Oh, my God. And well, like a nice keyboard, I guess. And I guess it. who plays on it? 
my damn kids and I, I have it. not okay. played it. And so I need to get lessons because I it's not like something I used to play and I need to play it again. But guess what? So I go to Starbucks every morning on my walk. I walk there and I come back. The other day I saw like one of those old school 90s, like where they have the little tabs and you pull it and it was for piano lessons. And I said, this is my sign. Wow. The universe is like, okay, bitch, you're doing this. <laughs> so I ripped it off and it is sitting on my kitchen counter. And after this, I will go reach out to yes, that instructor yes, and yes. book my first lesson. Book your first lesson. I love it so much. And let me tell you what I love about that. What Just understanding that that's what you picked. There's a couple of things I know about you and then we'll we'll take this exercise to one other place. But the first thing I learned about you is that curiosity is not your struggle. Connection with others is not going to be your struggle. It's going to be completion. Yes. Because as you said, that piano was part of your curiosity. You were diligent enough to get one to actually bring it to your home. But it's this idea of how do you practice and bring that consistency of interest into your yeah. life, right? Being consistently interested in your own life. So I love that. So we're going to work, focus on completion as your hurdle. And when completion's a hurdle, an accountability partner is absolutely necessary. So your yes. piano teacher will become your accountability partner. Yeah. Uh, you're 66% more likely to do something with an accountability partner, according to a recent study. So now for those of you out there, I want you to do something similar, right? You're going to pick something that reaches out that's just, you know, again, whether it's jewelry making, whether it's my my new one has been calculus. I have one in there that's called math and sciences, wow. where I love my kids tutor so much that I just I booked a weekly appointment with him. And I realized that I'm not going to be able to start a calculus, even though my degree was in economics and advanced calculus. I have to go back to algebra, Elizabeth, which is very daunting and depressing. Only you, Eve. Only, yes, listen, guys, yes, only yes. Eve, like the perpetual scholar, oh my God. would choose calculus yes. as her unicorn phase. Seriously. Well, right, for right now, for this year, there's something about seeing my kids get getting better in math than me that's making me uh, want to that's like the reclaim lawyer. that. Yeah, yes, I, yeah. yes. <laughs> But it's sad. It's sad because that for me, it's this idea of completion that I probably completed a much harder calculus workbook than the one I ordered from Amazon. And I can't believe I have to go back again to start from scratch. So part of that is the type A in us that says, why would I complete anything if I've already done it and I'm not going to be as good? So that's why for me, completion is my struggle for sure, not curiosity or connection because I have abundance of those and I love those things. It's the completion. So let's just do one more thing, though, for to end for your listeners. Love it. I want to understand the values, and I need you to pick five. Okay, so we're going to picture, what's your favorite musical? Well, I have up your values. So she has a Unicorn Space Values PDF on her website. Yes, I, yes I was going to say, so I was going to ask you to turn up. the page. Okay, great. So yeah, I need to know, first, like, well, first just tell me what's your favorite musical or like sheet music. If you mastered a song on the piano, or would it be like a U2 song? Like what? No. If you yourself playing it, what would it be? It's currently Golden Hour. Um, oh, I love that. Okay, it's a great that, song. At the beginning, the piano, and I you know really it's beautiful. really hard, and I would love to be able okay, to Okay, so you have gotten the Golden Hour intro done, and okay. you're sort of sitting at your piano, it's dusk, and you're playing, you have a glass of wine or an iced tea. Mm -hmm. I want to know what values you're holding as you're playing. So look at the values checklist, please. Yep. And for those of you that don't have in front of you, you know, we'll, it's we'll linked play here. with you this. Yes, up, you, can, yeah. you can pull it up in the show notes, hopefully. And so tell me, let's start thinking about some values. Again, you, you're playing Golden Hour. You have your like delicious iced tea. 
your yeah. kids are listening in the other room or not. What I is think it's um, self-expression, Eve? Okay. I think like that's one. And and you have so many that kind of I need five. To it. I need five. But I want to be in soul alignment. Can we make that one one? Soul um, so tell me it. What was the second one? Soul soul, soul. alignment. Yep. I love it. Soul alignment's great. Okay. I also want to do um reliability because I want to okay. be able to rely on myself. Okay. I love um, it. Touch is another one. Oh, I love that one. That's an interesting one. Yeah. And I think also um adaptability to okay. be to I love it. Learn something new. I love that so much. Um adaptability, like sort of learning. Okay, so that's what I'm going to give back to you for this week and for this month and for maybe even the rest of the year. So what I want you to ask yourself instead of, did I get to play piano this week? Is, did I get to feel self? Did I get to express myself this week? Did I have a chance for self-expression this week? Did I get a chance for soul alignment this week? Did I get a chance to reliably show up for myself this week? Did Mm -hmm. I get a chance for any interesting touch this week? Did I get it? Not for, you won't have all of these, but yeah, at least one or two you want to say yes to. And finally, did I get a chance for some sort of engagement or learning this week? That's those are the questions you want to be asking. And I yeah. ask your listeners for because you can get there in many different ways. But I think focusing on saying to your kids and to the people around you, the values that I'm focusing on right now in my life are self-expression, soul alignment, reliability, adaptability, and touch. Allow people to help you get those things in ways that you may not even know, right? Maybe you decide that there's some sort of sensory thing that you find that's super cool that you want to use like with your clients as you test out some new sands or something, right? There's other ways to experience touch and learning and even showing up in accountability for yourself. But it doesn't always have to be through music, but it's a beautiful way to do it. And if you want to get all five at once, then you book your piano lesson. Yeah. Oh my God, I love that. Look, you guys, tons of words of wisdom here from Eve. I am a huge fan of her work, everything that comes out of her mouth. I feel like she's speaking for us in the most wonderful way. So be sure to pick up Fair Play, get the cards as well. Also finding your unicorn space. Eve, are those cards out for this yet? Or you said they're coming out? No, they're coming out. But if anybody reaches out to you in your show notes or whatever, I'm happy to send them a PDF so they can play. Yeah, and I'll send them to you too if you want to use with your clients. Yeah, that would be great. Any data that I get is very helpful. Awesome, for sure. What am I missing? What am I missing? You can tell me what ones I'm right. missing. Right. Yes, yes. Well, you know, I'm like super witchy. Um, so I feel like there could be some really cool like cosmic connection or ancestral connection because when I'm in flow, I feel like I am in congruency with the non-physical entities that are trying to guide me. So that feels like an honoring of ancestors. Like, I don't know I about you, that. but I feel like this work, you're like the America Ferrera and Barbie. <laughs> so wonderful. Like the shit she spits is like, yes, yes. You know, you feel it. But we owe it to our ancestors. We owe it to our grandmothers, our great grandmothers who really didn't have the opportunities we do or the voices or the platforms. We 100%. owe it to them and they're watching and they are here to also help us create that. You could say grandma, I, call, I lovingly call them, you know, the bench of dead grandmas. They're waiting yeah. to be tagged in like tap them and say, help me find space, help me release this guilt, disconnect this energy from me. And they will. I swear they do. So it's not even oh just- Oh my God, I love that. It's all of them. They're up there rooting for us. So ladies, this is your sign. Get the resources and find your unicorn space. Love it. And bench of dead grandmas, I'm writing it on my post-it because <laughs> it matter. It's going to be my new, my new goal post. All right. Thanks, Eve. 